Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Friday is upon us in a shortened holiday trading week. And we're going to finish with some negative numbers, especially the drop that we're seeing in the soybean complex. Lower on the corn, it is, of course, lower on the wheat as well. Cattle pushed themselves into some higher numbers today. The hogs, though, did a bit of a pushback, but still is a top trying to be made. We're going to find out that and a whole lot more in today's conversation. Is Joining me is Darren Fry. Darren, of course, with Water Street Advisors. So kind of kicking it all off. We've got an upcoming WASD report. I kind of wanted to start there and, and get kind of your thoughts and feel on what we might see. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on again, Susan. I really appreciate it. And we do have a WASD report next week. So uh, interesting things off this June 30th report with the acres being larger in corn. Obviously, that's going to roll into this WASD. Uh, big question is, we're still using 181 and a half. Is the USDA going to stick with that number? Are they going to reduce it? Average trade guess is 177 for that. I do think they'll have to write down some export business as well. So I do think that we're going to see the carryouts grow quite a bit, especially with that extra acres. But they will be somewhat reduced because I think they're going to lower yield. I think they're also going to make some adjustments on the demand side. So that's kind of corn in a nutshell. The, the soybeans, a lot tighter situation there. We got that huge surprise, 4 million less acres than what we expected. Uh, on, on soybeans, everybody's looking for a slight increase. We got a decrease of 4 million acres. And I would say that they might have to come down a little bit on yield, maybe 51, 51 and a half there as well. So that's going to get pretty tight on the balance sheet. Uh, I'll be surprised if we don't end up with a pretty tight number on soybeans and a need for maybe some rationing here ahead of harvest. You know, our local county fair is underway right now, and the conversation as, as parents are standing around pens and waiting for uh, kids to go in the show ring is questioning and adjustments that might be made to these USDA numbers that came out. Um, if they have concerns about it, you know that there's a lot of folks that do. Absolutely, and and the USDA did say, NAS said, hey, there is 8 million acres not planted in beans, and we're going to have to do a resurvey. I think that's in order, and so... States like the Dakotas, Iowa, Illinois probably get resurveyed where the acres were down the most. And, you know, I'm just not sure how many acres we're going to find. I would think you'd find some. Uh, but there is some evidence that, hey, our acreage number reported for all crops this June was about 2 million acres larger than the June of 22 report. So I wonder how many more acres will be added in on those surveys. But certainly that's a potential for soybeans to gain some acres. Is there going to be, you talk about resurveying, you and I were talking about that kind of in depth before this program started. Certain states that they could be looking at more than others? Yeah, and I'd say it's the Dakotas. Uh, obviously, North Dakota, bean acreage was down a lot. Iowa, Illinois were also in that group. But I think they'll resurvey some of those states that lost the most and probably just find out, as there were still so many acres to plant, whether those got planted or not and whether those acreage adjustments need to be made. I don't think we'll know that until the earliest September and possibly as late as October. Is it going to be just bean acres at this point, do you think? I think so. There was no talk of them resurveying corn acres as early as spring was, and corn did get in the ground. And obviously, we're probably going to add some bean acres with second crops, depending on how quickly the wheat can get off. So uh, I think that's the big unknown, and, and that's why a resurvey might be necessary. Well, speaking of corn, I saw this morning Mexico 
was in for purchasing uh, some corn. I know it's not white corn and all the issues that have been happening there, but it was nice to see them buying some U.S. product. Yeah, there's some there's some stuff being sold. Obviously, not enough. Uh, Brazil, obviously, stiff competition on the corn, the soybean side, and of course, Russia's still a race to the bottom for wheat prices. But but overall, I would say exports are um, a little bit uh, picking up, just a little bit in certain areas, but probably just not enough. We need to see a lot more if we're going to bolster any type of price move. So the rains, I know we're receiving some again today. You guys hopefully are getting some in your much-needed area. How much of factor weigh-in is that going to be on these markets out of Chicago? I think a lot of people have dialed in a lot of moisture, you know, whether it's happened or is happening or going to happen in the forecast. Uh, I just don't think we have a, a whole lot of weather premium left in the market. Maybe some, but not much. I think the, the surprise would be if crop conditions don't improve in this last week, we did not see an improvement on soybeans or on spring wheat. We did on corn, but just marginally so. And I think that'll be important to see if the crops respond to this added moisture and whether we can see crop conditions not only stabilize, but start to improve. Typically in July, you go down. And so it's hard to bring them up in July when they've started out so low. But uh, I'm not saying that is impossible. I'm just saying it's harder to do as the crop gets more mature. Must be the fact that this has been such an interesting growing year. Anything is possible when it comes to what we might see in these numbers. Yeah, amen to that. Um, I think there's a lot of acres out here, uh, and a lot meaning maybe two, three, four million acres across the country that just, you know, Missouri, Nebraska, they've been beat up so bad that um, I don't know what the recovery will be like. I know some of them are going to be a zero yield, and some of them will be zero to 50. and 50 to 100, 100, 150, you know, if they got the rain soon enough. But I do think we're going to have some acres that will be zeroed out, some abandonment. But crop conditions will reflect all that. And so far, we just haven't seen a great recovery in those as of yet. So considering everything that's been going on, what are you hearing basis-wise out in the country for beans, for example? Well, the base has been pretty strong. You know, we have a very good crush margin. Cash crush margins are 250 in the east and three dollars in the west obviously they're good demand for the uh, biodiesel all the renewable energy and of course we, we're not exporting a lot but for the crush that's where uh, the basis has been strong and also you know even the price of soybeans has rallied substantially off of that usda report that we had a week ago all right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up. Second half is just around the corner on this Friday. It's a Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Here's an update on what's going on at Fontenelle Hybrids. We're combining with the Channel brand and the other nine regional brands to create a new enhanced Channel Seed brand. And we're excited to announce your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer will be carrying select Channel products this fall for the 2024 growing season. That's an expanded product portfolio with the same great service. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer for details. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Of course, we're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Darren Fry, Water Street Advisors. I asked you a question, Darren, during the, the commercial break, a little bit about the wheat and what you're seeing in that market. I mean, they've had some some downside pressure on them. Overall, what's the picture looking like? Yeah, I think we have a little bit of upside potential here in wheat. I'm kind of looking up, you know, could have as much as a buck fifty two dollar rally in some of these classes. 
I think what's driving uh, the turn in the market is just simply funds have been getting out of some of their shorts. And so they're looking to reduce those. But you have a situation where we had some disappointing early yields coming out of Russia. We know that Russia is still unloading old crop. But we've seen an uptick in the consumer side of things, wanting to book wheat. We're seeing a little bit of a, uh, a support from, you know, the cash buyers. But also then you have the ongoing dry weather in southern Canada. That's what's given oats a little bit of an uptick and a run here, as well as, I think, supportive for wheat. And, you know, you don't have to look too far and understand El Nino is not good for Australian production. And so when you look at all that, combine it with, crop conditions that were 4% lower than trade expectations on the hard red spring wheat crop, you you are looking at a situation that maybe uh, we have some positive things ready to move wheat higher. Let's jump over to the livestock side. The hog numbers, are we going to see a top in them? You know, I kind of think so. If you look at the August versus the Oc versus the Deeth, what you've seen is the August have really gotten exuberant to the upside. They kind of had a, a weird reversal yesterday where they just ran out of buyers. They had a shooting star on the charts, a candlestick pattern. And, of course, then we saw follow through the downside today. When you look at the October, the December, very different chart pattern there, as those really didn't go and, and make an exuberant new high like August did. October punch went out. December never made a new high. I think these hogs are about ready to roll over and head south. The numbers are going to increase here. We know that from the hog and pig report. And I do think that we have some bearishness as we head into the third and fourth quarter of this year. Should there be worries? I mean, cash prices were down over $3 um, in today's trade. Is there concerns for that looking forward? Yeah, I think so. I think as you look forward, you have to know that, hey, hogs got a little higher here than we thought, especially in the front months. But we always have weakness in the fourth quarter. Charts are pointing down for another move lower. And I think this is a really good hedging opportunity for producers. Over to the, the cattle side of the trade. Are we got a top maybe happening well, there? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, cattle, cattle pushed higher today and especially the August, you know, they were kind of on their backs a little bit, um, you know, to, to start the week, but they finished very strong back at the highs. And so could there be a top in place or could be, is there a top in place? Probably not with today's action. Same thing with feeder cattle. Uh, we're starting to see the beef really start to leak. Uh, I know that, that yesterday the box beef was off pretty good at the close of the day. And you, you'd expect that after moving past July 4th as we see demand become less. But, hey, numbers are tight, weights are light, and there's still good enough demand out here for the cattle side of things. So. Uh, no top yet. What about consumer demand? As as we wait for more Fed talks and and just general budgetaries going on. Well, all the big numbers that you see, whether it's in non farm payroll or the GDP or inflationary numbers, I mean, all says the consumer is still doing pretty good. They're still buying interest out here, and so until we see that change, um, you can't you can't call a top in some of these markets like cattle where the fundamentals are, are pretty strong still. All right, look at the big picture. I mean, we're into a Friday. Um, lots of things can happen over the weekend, globally, politically, everything else. What are some things that you and your crew are kind of going to be keeping an eye on come mon- Sunday night into Monday trade? Well, we're still looking up in soybeans overall. I think you got to go higher again with the tightness there. 
Uh, corn, I think rallies are for selling. So if we get a bounce, the bounce could be 530, 540 in December corn. Uh, we're looking up in wheat. Uh, that'll help support corn some. Um, I think hogs need to be hedged and cattle have yet to roll over. So that's kind of what we're looking at as we roll into the weekend and start a new week of trading. Obviously, keeping the emotion out of it as much as you can and, and having conversations with folks like yourself is another way to kind of take the pressure off the farming operation. It sure is. It sure is. So as you look at the wave, what are some ways that folks can get a hold of you and kind of follow along as well as to what you guys are doing there at, at Water Street? Well, they could. Well, they can always give us a call toll-free at 866-249-2528 or follow me at Twitter or direct message me on Twitter at Fry, F-R-Y-E underscore W-S-S. You always have some great information there. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, Darren. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me on. Darren Fry has been joining us for this Friday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you today by the Fontenelle Hybrids and all their local dealers. You can check this out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. It's a free podcast. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network.